Hello, we are Mark and Katie Steed, and we are excited to join you again. Hello. We are looking forward to discussing Doctrine and Covenants sections 133 to 133 with you today. To let you know a little about us, we have been married for 15 years. We have five children, four girls and one boy. Mark is a neuropsychologist at the Utah State Hospital. I might add he was just recently released from the bishopric. Thank you. We might be celebrating that a little bit, but it was great. It was great. (laughs) And I have worked for the last three years as the Disability Specialist Manager for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Prior to that, I was a professor of education at Brigham Young University for 15 years. We're excited to announce that my first book, Promises I Make When I Am Baptized at Eight, can be found on cedarfort.com, Desert Book, or Amazon. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Now, let's get to our review of Doctrine and Covenants, sections 133 and 134. Let's begin with a history lesson that we read about in the heading of section 133, that this section was first added to the Book of Commandments as an appendix to be at the end of these published revelations from the Lord, which we now know as the Doctrine and Covenants. It can be helpful when reading section 133 to keep in mind that it was originally meant to be the conclusion of this book of commandments. As we studied section 133, we noted a major theme of the second coming, and we'll start by inviting you to consider four words and how they apply to you individually as you ponder about the second coming. These four words are, one, preparation, two, focus, three, joy, and four, sharing. Let's begin with preparation. Specifically, we should prepare for the second coming. I can remember once when we were talking about the second coming with our children, when they were still quite young. After we had discussed this concept with them, our then four-year-old, Vivian, looked at us with great big eyes and said, I don't want that to happen. We felt terrible as parents that we had clearly misconveyed (laughs) this message to our children. And we've been repenting ever since to try to help them understand it in a better light. We sure have. (laughs) And what better light and perspective can we have than the scriptures? So, as we turn to the scriptures, we found it interesting that in both the Doctrine and Covenants section 1, the Lord's preface to the Book of Commandments, and section 133, the original appendix to that book, begin with the same petition from the Lord. And that is, Hearken, O ye people of my church. In fact, this is even found in the very first verse for both of these sections. So let's take a minute, consider the plea, this plea from the Lord. Hearken, O ye people of my church. If we look in the guide to the scriptures under hearken, it tells us to, quote, see also, ear, obedience, obedient, and obey. Definitely, it's a clear message of obedience that is being asked of the people of God's church. I also want to go back to the first word there. Ear. If you look up a formal definition of the word hearken, it says that hearken means to listen. And one definition even adds to listen with great respect. And if we read the entire verse of Doctrine and Covenants, section 133, verse 1, it states, Hearken, O ye people of my church, saith the Lord your God, and hear the word of the Lord concerning you. What a powerful message that is to consider. Listen to with respect, and hear what the Lord has to say concerning you. 
It is a really interesting thing to consider. And all of these insights make me stop and think about what have I been asked to obey and listen to? One thought that comes to mind is general conference. Now, I love general conference, and it is a big deal at our home. Yeah. And it has been ever since our kids have been little. I make conference bags where the kids can open a bag with each new speaker, and the bags are filled with things for them to do, like coloring pages and word searches and things like that to help them stay focused and interested. This system has also allowed for more peace and quiet in our home, so Mark and I can enjoy listening to the conference talks. We even had to clarify when our kids were young that the conference bags did not come from the apostles when the oldest asked, which apostle gave me this toy? (laughs) It was somehow being stored in their mind with the Easter Bunny and Santa. Nevertheless, conference is still a big deal in our home and we look forward to it. However, something was different during this last conference. I still made the bags and the kids were for the most part fairly reverent. But at the times, I, but at times I have, would find myself taking copious notes where I previously would have, oh, this is when I would have been taking notes and really listening. I just seemed to be sitting there and it was a very odd feeling. However, I can say that this experience has left me more determined than ever to go back and listen to the conference talks again to see what I missed. And it's been really quite enlightening. One talk I was really touched by was from Sister Susan H. Porter of the General Primary Presidency, and it was entitled, God's Love, the Most, the Most Joyous to the Soul. In her talk, she quotes Elder Holland when he says, The first great commandment of all eternity is to love God with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength. That's the first great commandment. But the first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. To think of it as the commandment, but the truth, the first great truth is that God loves us. And I think about how might my life be different if I truly hearken to those words of the Lord daily. The first great truth of all eternity is that God loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. I think there's nothing I can't do with that knowledge and that power in my life. Yeah, and in his in his most recent conference talk, Elder Holland expounded on that a little bit and said, "When and I'm paraphrasing, but when God's unconditional, powerful love for us is met with our unconditional, powerful love for Him, then and he quotes some some, some another author. He said, "Man will again have discovered fire." Hmm. I think that's that's a, a beautiful description of a powerful connection that can come based on love. I love it. And hearkening, right? Yeah. So the, the next word we invite you to ponder in regards to the second coming is focus. Specifically, focus on God and not on the world. What invitations or commands does the Lord want you to hearken to? Think about this as we read Doctrine and Covenants, section 133, verses 4 through 5. Wherefore, prepare ye, prepare ye, O my people, sanctify yourselves, gather ye together, O ye my people, ye people of my church, upon the land of Zion, all you that have not been commanded to tarry, go ye out from Babylon, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord, be clean, leave the world behind, and get out of Babylon. 
as we were studying this, it reminded me of a time several years ago uh, when my mom and my sister and I were staying in a very big city and it was really late at night and we were trying to just get back to our hotel as quickly and as safely as we could. And we noted on our map, it was a hard copy map that we actually had to fold up and put in our purse. We didn't have uh, the cell phone option at that time. But on our map, we noted that the fastest way to get home would be to cut through this major park. Now, this was not a small park. It wasn't even an average park. It was probably going to take us a good 10 minutes or so to get from one side of the park to the other. So we began to cut through this park to get back to our hotel. And the further we walked into the park, the more we realized we should not have taken this route. I will spare you the details, but needless to say, we were surrounded by individuals, smells, and sounds that did not make us feel safe at all. We knew it would probably not be wise to run, but we certainly walked out of that park as fast as we possibly could. And I can remember when we got back to our hotel room, the relief we felt to be together and to be safe and to be out of that environment. I can't help but to think this experience to what it should feel like to leave the world behind and get out of Babylon. Mm. The third word we invite you to reflect on is joyous. The second coming will be a joyous time for the righteous. <laughs> Doctrine and Covenants section 133 verse 19 reads, Wherefore prepare ye for the coming of the bridegroom. Go ye, go ye out to meet him. Let's take a moment to talk about the bridegroom and what that represents here. We use the term bride and groom frequently in our culture to denote, denote people that are preparing for marriage. I remember the day I was the groom and Katie was the bride. My grandfather sealed us and he counseled with us in a small room just before we went in to be married. As he spoke with us, he pointed out that we were about to kneel over an altar he then reminded us that an altar represents sacrifice and that we had come to a point where we were committing to sacrifice for and with one another. We were preparing to be worthy of one another and to join together in a committed union, and we were doing so that day as a bride and a groom. I remember that too. Such a beautiful, beautiful time. So let's come back to the term bridegroom. In the Guide to the Scriptures under Bridegroom, we read, Jesus Christ is symbolized in the scriptures as the bridegroom. The church is his symbolic bride. We read in Matthew about the ten virgins that went forth to meet the bridegroom. They went forth to meet Jesus. And we know from the story of the ten virgins is that those who were prepared need not fear. We continue to understand this more in Doctrine and Covenants section 133, verses 32 and 33. And there's and there shall they fall down and be crowned with glory, even in Zion, by the hands of the servants of the Lord, even the children of Ephraim. And they shall be, shall be filled with songs of everlasting joy. Songs of everlasting joy. What an incredible promise. And I think that was also like a big theme in conference was turn to God, love God, God loves you. And this all results in joy. And I think that's an important theme that God is continually sharing with us through the scriptures and through his servants. The final war word in for section 133 relating to the second coming that we would invite you to ponder is sharing. 
we should share this great news. So this great news that we have learned about should be shared with others. Doctrine and Covenants section 133 verses 37 to 38 read, and it's a scripture we're quite familiar with. And this gospel shall be preached unto every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And the servants of God shall go forth saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And I know Mark and I have had an opportunity for the last 14 years as Latter-day Saint charity specialist, technical specialist, to go around the world. And we've gone to lots of different places that uh, people don't typically go to. Um, We've gone to Belarus and Bulgaria and Albania and Guyana, just to name a few of the places. And it's always inspiring in each of those places that we've been to see this happening, to see that there are missionaries there and there are members there, that the gospel shall be preached unto every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people. And it's always been an incredible testament to me of that happening. And, and a peace it brings me when I see them, when I see those missionaries yeah. out there. I, I lived in Taiwan as a volunteer teaching English when I was still single and in my early 20s. One night while I was there, I was sitting on a beach in southern Taiwan with my dear friend, Christy. And this guy, similar to our age, came over and started talking with us. I can't recall the conversation word for word, but I remember that he kept talking about how awful things were and how hard it was to be in college right now and all the challenges he was experiencing in life. We shared with him kind of the opposite story. We felt we were excited about life. And it seemed to be really great for us. And we, there, we seemed like there were a lot of great opportunities that, lie, that lay ahead for us. And the conversation continued like this for about an hour. He would say something that was terribly negative about the state of the world. And we would come back with what was so great about the world. This man suddenly stopped us and he said, I just have to tell you that you are some of the happiest people I have ever met. Here I was feeling, and he also commented, and you're not even drinking. <laughs> Here I was feeling so frustrated about things, and the two of you are like sunshine and pancakes. How do you do it? <laughs> we still refer to ourselves as sunshine and pancakes, by the way. And I remember my sweet friend Christy looked at this man and said, We are happy because we have the light of Christ, and we know we are his children. Her response echoes so clearly what we read in verses 33 and 38. And they shall be filled with songs of everlasting joy. And the servants of God shall go forth saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not something that our children or anyone needs to be afraid of if they were adequately prepared. Yeah. And it's the good news of the gospel to share that he is coming again. And it's so easily reflected in the faces of people that are allowing this joy to be a part of their lives. Yes. Now, let's take a moment and reflect on some insights from section 134. Such a cool section, I Mm -hmm. thought. This was a section, this was a declaration of belief regarding governments and laws. And this declaration was given following the preamble as to why it was needed, and it reads, quote, that our belief with regard to earthly governments and laws in general may not be misinterpreted nor misunderstood 
we have thought proper to present, at the close of this volume, our opinion concerning the same. Close quote. So, there is clearly a desire to create some clarity regarding how the saints felt about the law, and the section heading for 134 does a nice job summarizing their clarifying points. And they are. First, governments should preserve freedom of conscience, conscience and worship. Next, all men should uphold their governments and owe respect and deference to the law. Next, religious societies should not exercise civil powers. And finally, men are justified in defending themselves and their property. Now, there's a lot that we could unpack with every single one of those. Absolutely. But in the interest of time, we may uh, turn to verse 1 where it reads, We believe that governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man, and that he holds men accountable for their acts in relation to them, both in making laws and administering them for the good and safety of society. I thought that was so interesting where it says governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man. That's a really interesting point. And then there's this reminder to us as saints that he, speaking of God, holds men accountable, men and women, I would add, accountable for their acts in relation to them. I thought that was such a such a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, government is not just a passive gift or an institution. It's one that should be involved people in their opinions and, and stuff. And I think it's easy to feel overwhelmed or to feel like your voice doesn't matter. But there's so many ways we can go. I know you're really good at um, going to even just community council meetings or is that what they're called? City council meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and sending emails to the mayor and, and expressing concerns and opinions and things. And there's there's so many ways that we can be involved at a local level and at a larger level that I don't think we should ever feel overwhelmed because we've been told that um, we'll be held accountable for our acts in relation to this government. Yeah, there's, there's a recent Bloomberg report that indicates that voter turnout for mayoral races is less than 15%. And that's of, like, registered voters, right? 15%. So we can see the insight in knowing that men and women are held accountable for their acts in regards to the running of governments. And may we all consider how we might be more civilly minded. I think that's a great invitation and reminder for us here. Really great lessons here in these from these sections and so many more topics that we could dive even deeper to. Um, But we've enjoyed this opportunity to just share a few of our thoughts with you today. Some thoughts on citizenship and being more civilly minded. And we would invite you to consider what are some ways that that you could be more civilly minded and more involved um, in your situation. So we're not representing that less than that. What is it? Fifteen percent. So what would that be? Eighty five percent of people that are not even voting in their mayor races, which has such an impact on you locally. So consider that. And we'd also re- invite you to uh, re- remember the words as we prepare for the second coming. And the words that we highlighted were preparation. So much to be shared on that. Focus. Focusing on God and not the world and not Babylon. That, it, that in doing so, it leads to joy and to keep that in mind. That's what God wants us to have. And then to then take this information and share it mm-hmm. with the world and share it with those around us that they might have this gospel and this good news in their lives. 
We would invite you to consider what has stood out to you as you've listened to this podcast today. What do you want to go and study more about? What do you want to change? What do you want to talk to somebody else about? And we would invite you to to act on those promptings. And we hope that this has been helpful. We hope these words in your continued study will bring you comfort and guidance as you go about your days and as you seek ways to know the Lord's work and what role you play in all of this. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.